Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Attention all you hoopers out there. If you're like me and you like to play basketball or keep active, i got to tell you about Theragun. Theragun is a handheld, battery-operated, professional-grade percussive therapy device that helps alleviate pain, improve mobility, and enhance performance. The Theragun is easy to use to handheld device that helps relieve tension and increase blood flow. Theragun percussive therapy is unlike any massage device you've ever tried. Designed by a chiropractor, it's therapeutic for all body types. It can treat every part of the body. I use it to help with my hip. And it's triangle design that allows you to grip it multiple ways so you don't have to strain to target each area. Now, I'll tell you some of the benefits. It's relief from muscle tension, soreness, stiffness, and knots. It increases blood flow, improves range of motion, flexibility, accelerates recovery, activates muscles, improves muscle coordination. It's great to enhance performance and avoid injury. It's body energizing. Right now, you can use the promo code DPSHOW10. That's DPSHOW10. And you get two free attachments with purchase. It's great. Theragun, if you like to stay active, you'll love it. Again, promo code DPSHOW10 with two free attachments. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Uh, welcome to the program, Hour One on this Thursday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show, down to Danette. To no one's surprise, Fritzy is not able to answer the call today. We saw this coming yesterday when I said, Fritzy, why don't you go home? No, I don't know. I, I don't want to go home. You need to go home. No, you guys don't make fun of me. Fritzy, go home. I'm not sick. Yes, you are. And Fritzy is not able to join us today. I tried. Like very, I, very thoughtful I, of you. I do try with him, and he just doesn't want to listen. I said, we're going to make fun of you if, you if you leave or you stay. So why don't you go home and feel better? And we are, we're going to Miami. We're going to shoot our Super Bowl open, our, our Super Bowl commercial. So I said, Fritzy, you got to be healthy. You got, you better be on that plane. You got to be on that plane. I better see you Friday morning. All right, I'll be there. I'll have a glass of orange juice. Yeah. Okay. So Fritzy's not here today, but McLovin. And by the way, Utah loves McLovin. Oh man, you did it. You did it well yesterday. They're supposed to be the nicest people out there, but not so much. But you can't be turning on the Utes. Now, I know that Eugene, Oregon has your back, but... The uh, Ducks got my back. Yeah, Salt Lake City is not happy with McLovin because... What did you say? Nobody wants to see Utah? No, I didn't. I just said I would imagine the committee (laughs) will choose the brand name of Oklahoma over Utah. It's hardly a hot take. Uh, Well, in Salt Lake City, it feels like it is. Why, why don't you just come out and say nobody wants to see Utah in the Final Four? Why I'm not going to say Why don't you just double down and go all in? No, I, I'm not, I mean, who doesn't want to see a really <laughs> strong running attack and defense from a program that's really never been in the national picture as compared to the history of Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts? Of course I want to see Utah in the Final okay. Four. Okay. Uh, you just doubled down. Thank you, McLeod. 
Thank you, McLovin. Chris Berman will join us a little bit later on. We'll talk to Joe Thomas, the uh, former Cleveland Browns All-Pro Tackle. He'll be uh, working Thursday night tonight with uh, the Bears and the Cowboys. You know, it's really an important game for both of these teams. It, it feels like it's a, a really important game, obviously, for the Cowboys with all of, you know, the controversy, unrest, uncertainty that's uh, surrounded this team uh, this year. And then you have the Bears. It feels like Mitchell Trubisky is still auditioning here. And then you have his coach. You know, it, it, is he the right guy for this quarterback? Is this quarterback the right guy for this coach? You know, because Matt Nagy has some pedigree here of being able to be an offensive, I don't want to say genius, but offensive-minded guy, offensive whisperer. But it feels like the Bears, remember, we loved the Bears last year. It was a great story. And then this year, in August, people loved the Bears. And they they took a, a nice little stumble there and, you know, came back to reality. But they still have that capability here. And if the Bears would win tonight, what would be the headline tomorrow? We love to do this. Like, what would be the headline tomorrow? Chicago wins, but really this is about Dallas losing. It's not about if Chicago wins and they're 7-6, and six, but if Dallas loses. And I wonder, because you're on a Thursday night game, and boy, does that give Jerry Jones a lot of time to think about Jason Garrett. Because he <laughs> spends a lot of time... Jason will be coaching in the NFL next year. I know where he won't be coaching in the NFL next year. But if they lose tonight, and you give Jerry all that time, by the time he rolls around with his weekly radio show, boy, he'll be fired up. Yes, McLovin. I'm sorry, the Bears are a featured extra tonight. This is the Cowboys show and the Jason Garrett show tomorrow. This is nothing but a referendum on him. Okay, but if the, if the Bears happen to win, I mean, the Bears have to play a role here tonight. I just think the if, way if Dallas the, wins, then, you know, what is the headline? What is the story? But the Bears are boxed out of the playoffs. They're not bad. Their record's not bad, but they have very little chance of making the playoffs. So I don't think people are really going to focus on the Bears much. I think it's going to be well, about no, Dallas. You, you focus on the Bears. Can they win the game? I don't think we're looking at the Bears going, boy, yeah, they're going to be really good here in the last month of the season. Or, boy, this sets up nicely for next year. I mean, it has nothing to do with that, but it has something to do with how well they play. Because if they do beat Dallas, then Dallas is the story. But do you see anyone, win or lose, is Friday, is anyone mentioning the Bears? I think it's Jason no, Garrett. No, you're missing it. the point. It's not about the Bears' future. It's not about, you know, unless Mitchell Trubisky throws for 300 yards. But they do decide what happens tonight. They're not the headline, but they'll help create the headline. If Dallas wins by three touchdowns, we're going to say, oh, well, that offense against that Bears defense. Imagine if they lose by 10 tonight to the Chicago Bears. And then what happens? You got the Eagles facing Eli Manning and the Giants on Monday night. You know, so there is a, it's not a seismic shift, but, you know, the Bears play a large role in, you know, what could happen with Jason Garrett? If the Bears win, Jason Garrett could get fired. I mean, I think it's conceivable. The fact that Ron Rivera has already been fired, then it doesn't look like, you know, Jerry Jones is the Grinch and you're going to fire him right before Christmas. Carolina already took care of that with Ron Rivera. By the way, it was such an awkward press conference that Carolina had with Ron Rivera. So you fire him, and then, hey, but before you go, could you say some nice things? 
you know, it, it's almost like a, a gentlemanly, you know, firing. Like, hey, you know, sorry, this isn't going to work out. Um, you know, I bought this team for $3 billion, and, uh, you know, I like analytics, and uh, you're just not our guy. So he goes in front of the media, Ron Rivera, and it's almost like he had his hat in his hand. I felt bad for him. Like, he, he was kind of fighting for some kind of pat on the back there. Because he said, you know, we won back-to-back-to-back NFC South titles. And I went, nobody cares about that. You went to the Super Bowl, they care about that. You won back, and then he overemphasized back-to-back-to-back NFC South titles. Ron, nobody cares about that. And he'll probably get another coaching job, and I hope he does. By all accounts, a nice man. But... Nobody cares that you want a division title. They want to know, what did you do bigger picture here? Did you advance this team? Are they a good team? Is this a good job? Yeah, Paul. And I already saw that Ron Rivera did a few interviews. He did an interview with the score, the radio station in Chicago. And, you know, that could be laying groundwork. He's still pretty popular back there. Pretty, you know, 85 Bears, Hall Pass. He could come back there and help out that team. Maybe not as a head coach, but, you know, he's laying groundwork for other jobs quickly. Oh, no, I see him as getting a head coaching job not being a defensive coordinator or anything like that. It feels like if he reunites with Dave Gettleman, the former GM in Carolina, and he goes to the Giants, I don't know if he's the right guy for that. I mean, it feels like everybody's looking for Sean McVay. You know, you're looking for that offensive-minded guy, but all of a sudden Sean McVay cooled off quite a bit. You know, you're trying to find these offensive guys. You know, Cliff Kingsbury. Okay. How many of those guys are out there? And are you willing to turn over your team to an offensive-minded guy? And I think that's going to be the big question mark that some of these owners are going to have. And usually these owners who take over a team don't do well with their first hire. Recent history has shown the last five owners who have bought teams, their first hires were not good at all. But guess who is back? Eli Manning expected to start for the Giants on Monday night because Daniel Jones has a high ankle sprain. I hope Daniel Jones doesn't screw this up. And by that, I mean, if he gets healthy and ruins this, I'm going to be really upset with him. I mean, I'm planning my weekend. I'm planning my Monday night around Eli Manning coming back. New York's 2-10. Eli better not screw this up and play really well and they win a game because you're 2-10. Chances are you could put Chase Young in there if you've got the number two pick in the draft. But if you want to start an argument this weekend, even today at work, just ask, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? We've asked it. Remember when it is Eli an elite quarterback? Remember when that one came up a couple of years ago? Joe Flacco had that too. Is Joe Flacco an elite quarterback? Elite? I, I don't know. Do you aspire to be an elite quarterback or do you want to be a Hall of Famer? Like Eli, and you can't spell elite without E-L-I. Boom. Yes, Paul. Eli just has such a weird career because it's in comparison to his brother. He always feels like the younger brother, even though his resume is fantastic. But look at how his career is is winding up. Peyton got an, a ring with Denver through 55 touchdowns the year before. It, it ended up really well, and he got that ring. Eli feels like it's it's in limbo right now, completely. Well, Eli's never led the league in anything other than in interceptions, which he's done three times. He has more interceptions than any other active quarterback. He has those two Super Bowl wins. Without those two Super Bowl wins, he's not a Hall of Famer. But also, if I look at it that way, 
Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer if their numbers are somewhat similar? They both came out, same draft, but Philip Rivers doesn't. Don't we assume Philip Rivers is going to be a Hall of Famer? It feels like Philip Rivers is going to be a Hall of Famer. But the you know the Giants won two Super Bowls, but man, they had when they had bad years, they had really bad years. They didn't make the playoffs. But Eli is back against the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think the Eagles are happy to see Eli Manning instead of Daniel Jones? I'm guessing they're not because Eli does know Philadelphia. He's played against Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Seems like I don't want to say he's dangerous because I could say he can be dangerous with the Giants, but this like a farewell tour where we feel like somehow he got slighted because Geno Smith went in and replaced him. Like Eli's, Eli's done really well. You know, I, I think by playing in New York, that'll probably be a big advantage of going into the Hall of Fame. But I don't think he's been a great quarterback. I think he's been great at times, but I don't label him a great quarterback. Yeah, McLevin. He has a uh, 116, 116 record. Yeah. I mean, would any part of you want to just shut it down and not risk going to 116 or 117? <laughs> like John Clark, didn't he do that? Uh, or somebody ended their career at 300. Two, 298, I think. Didn't Mickey Mantle end up at 298, yep. I think, his career batting average? It's like the running back who goes out there and he's got 1,000 yards and then he gets brought down for a six-yard loss and he ends up, you know, 994 yards. Yeah, Paul. There's a story about a Broncos running back in the 70s, and he got 1,000 yards for the season, and they stopped the game and they gave him the game ball or something like that because he's, I think, the first running back. I got to look it up. And then he got nailed for a five-yard loss on the next play. And I, I got to check that one I out. I thought it was somebody with the Falcons. Was his last name Malone? Does that sound right for some reason? Because I'm th- – God. I just remember it felt like it was a, it was a early afternoon game. I thought it was a Falcons running back who who got his thousand, stopped the game, gave him the ball, and then he proceeded to lose five yards and then not, didn't get a chance to run again. Yeah, McLovin. Is it Art Malone? Does that name sound familiar? He's it, a Falcons running back who ran. He didn't get quite to a thousand though. So maybe it's a different Falcons okay. running back. But he did. He was a prolific Falcons running back. Was it Dave Hampton? Yeah, Dave Hampton, December 17, 1972. Atlanta was playing the Chiefs in the last game of the season. Dave Hampton had 930 yards coming into the game. <laughs> this meant, of course, he was 70 yards away from 1,000 for the first time in his career. And it, he would become the first 1,000-yard rusher in Atlanta Falcons history. And he ran for – he got it. He got 42 yards in the first half. He had 22 yards late in the fourth quarter. He was six yards away. He took the lead. Uh, he got 1,000 yards. They actually stopped the game so the crowd could cheer him, gave a wave, and then a couple of plays later, uh, he got nailed for a six-yard loss. Yeah, yeah. He got one more carry for one yard, and he finished with 995 yards. I don't think he ever rushed for 1,000 yards in his career. That's correct. Yeah. After the game, he said, right now, quote, this is the most disappointing thing that's ever happened to me. And leave it to us to bring it up. This program brought to you by the great folks at True Car. When you're ready to discover, buy, or sell your next car, visit True Car, just like McLovin and uh, Paulie did. Come up with a poll question. Phone calls are always welcome. Chris Berman will stop by. Top of next hour, Joe Thomas, Browns, former Browns All-Pro Tackle. And uh, we'll look a little deeper into the USC um, 
decision to bring back Clay Helton. And I was wondering if the boosters could have done what Florida State did with Willie Taggart. Because the boosters at Florida State said, hey, we're going to make the decision for the athletic department. We'll pony up the $19 million to get him out of here. If the boosters said to the athletic director or the president, we'll pony up, I don't know what they owe him, but they owe Clay Helton, I think, a pretty good chunk of change here. Would they have stayed with Clay Helton? Was Urban Meyer actually, you know, in the running for this? Was he available? Because it took it took them four days, the athletic director, four days to say, we're retaining Clay Helton. Like, what happened in those four days where, you know, did they do a job search here? Did they see who was out there? And then all of a sudden realized that maybe they're not getting who they want and they're keeping Clay Helton. But, you know, USC is going to be good next year. They're going to have talent next year. But I don't think too many people, it doesn't feel like the consensus is they made the right decision with Clay Helton. This team was good, did beat Utah, and was good, you know, at the end of the year here. Yeah, Paul. I have an update on the Dave Hampton story for the Atlanta Falcons. I think you're going to like this or not like it. The following year, 1973, the Falcons stunk. And they're going through the season. Dave Hampton was their leading rusher. In the final game of the year, a game that didn't matter, he needed 87 yards. Head coach Norm Van Brocklin declared to the team, no matter what, the Falcons were going to get Hampton his 1,000 yards that year. He gave Hampton the ball 27 times that day, needing 87 yards. He even went for it on a fourth and three when they were in field goal territory in a game that was close. That was like they needed a field goal, but they said they don't care because he finished with uh, 997 yards rushing. 27 carries. Wow. Back-to-back years of three, five yards short, three yards short. Oh, boy. No offense. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll come up with a poll question, McLovin, after the break. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure. We got lots of lots of interesting topics. All right. Well, I won't do Eli. Is Eli a Hall of Famer piece? That's too. We've what? done that too many times. What, Paul? I have another update on the Dave Wait, Hampton story. Wait, save it. Save oh, it. I can't. It's too much pain. I can't take it. All right. Didn't Dave Hampton play with the Packers, too? Find out next. Oh, okay. That'll keep people in their car. All right, we'll take a break here. Oh, no, no, no. Mr. I-can't-talk-I-can't-show-up-for-work wants to have mock headlines if the Cowboys lose. Do we do pre-mock headlines, but Fritzy has to call in with them? Oh, no. (laughs) Can no longer bear it. Jerry fires Jason Garrett. I'm not sick. I got orange juice here. Yes. No, I feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he just didn't say, I don't feel well and I should go home. All right, 18 after the hour. We'll take a break. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Everybody's got a to-do list. I get one from my wife. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk, figure out something to get out of the house so I can relax. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Do you like extra money in your pocket? Do you like not having to drive somewhere to pick something up? This is the way to do it. It just may be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. That's Geico.com. If you purchase supplies for a business, you know it's nearly impossible to find everything you need in one place. And that's why there's Zorro.com, where the number one goal is to make your life easier. 
Zorro.com, that's Z-O-R-O.com, is where you'll find everything you need for your businesses of any size and almost any industry. Zorro.com has tools and equipment, safety and office supplies, cleaning supplies, and more. Zorro has tons of stuff for industries like electrical, plumbing, contracting, manufacturing, and more. You'll find brands you know and trust like Stanley, 3M, Milwaukee, Schneider, and Rubbermaid, just to name a few. Zorro.com offers amazing customer service from real people based in the United States. You'll also enjoy fast, free shipping of orders of $50 or more. Even if you don't have a business to shop for, you can still find lots of great items at Zorro.com. Visit Zorro.com slash Dan to sign up for a Z-mail and get 15% off your first order. That's Zorro.com slash Dan. Sign up for the Z-mail and get 15% off your first order. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. All right. To continue our Dave Hampton update, just a recap. It's a running back who played for the Atlanta Falcons. He had, now he was with Green Bay, and I think he was a return guy with Green Bay. And he was a really good return guy. He played for the Falcons in the early 70s, gained 1,000 yards, and then he lost six yards and lost the opportunity. He ended up at 995 yards. So 1972, they stopped the game, and they go, and Dave Hampton, uh, I think the first Falcon to rush for 1,000 yards in season. So he loses out. The next season, He ends up uh, 997 yards, so he doesn't get his 1,000-yard season. Pauly has an update on Dave Hampton. It gets better and worse. Joe Posnanski of Sports Illustrated wrote extensively about this. In 1974, he was again the Falcons' leading rusher to start the season, but then he suffered a knee injury and was out and finished with 464 yards, and his career was in question. The next year he comes back at age 28, he was close again. He needed 65 yards in the final game of the year against the Packers. Again, a game that meant nothing. It was at Green Bay. It was snowing. And late in the game, he still was 24 yards short with two minutes left in the game, and the Falcons had the ball. They kept giving the ball. He broke a run of 22 yards, leaving him with at 998 yards with just seconds left in the game. <laughs> they gave him the ball. He carried the ball for four yards, 1,002 yards. And they took a knee on the next play, and he didn't carry the ball again. So 1975, Dave Hampton finished with 250 carries, 1,002 oh, yards. good. Okay. And he also won NFL's Comeback Player of the Year that year. Hmm. And then he, he didn't really play. He played for a couple more seasons with Atlanta and Philly, and that was his career. Most seasons between 990 and 999 rushing yards. <laughs> Dave Hampton is, is number one on the list with two. He's the record holder. You've got other guys. Jim Brown. Finished with 996 one year. Ernest Biner. Oh. Ernest Biner finished with 998 yards. Nick Chubb, 996. Matt Forte, 997. Melvin Gordon, 997. Roland Harper, 992. Who else is it? Willis McGahey, 990. Man. That'd be tough. Yeah, Paul. You mentioned Roland Harper. He was a fullback for the Bears. He had 992 yards, and I think Peyton had like 1,300. Do you think there's ever been a team with two 1,000-yard rushers? 
like maybe like Barry Word and Christian Okoye or I can't. Wasn't the famous Steelers? Didn't Rocky Blyer and Franco go per thousand? And I I thought that was like the famous stat, but I could be totally wrong. And it, I don't think Jim Kick and Larry Zonka did with the Miami Dolphins, but it might have been Rocky Blyer may have had one one thousand yard season, and Franco of course had thousand yard season. Yeah, Paul. McLovin's correct. Franco Harris in 19, 1976 Steelers. Franco Harris had 1,100 yards, and Rocky Blyer had just over 1,000. Okay. Blyer was actually the better running back. He averaged 4.7 yards per carry. Yeah, McLovin. I, I just remember as a kid, Rocky Blyer's story. He was a vet, right? Yeah. Incredible story that I don't think a lot of young football fans know. And he actually got wounded in Vietnam. Lost part of his foot, I believe. Uh, did uh, Zonkin kick? I, I don't think... Jim Kick had, I don't think he had a thousand, because they also had Mercury Morris, so they had three really good running backs. Zonka, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, but this, by the way, sorry, did someone say this year it could be Ingram and Jackson, too, on the Ravens? Oh yeah, that you're going to have a thousand with Lamar Jackson. I, I got to check where Ingram is. Yeah, I haven't even – the only thing I've, I've kind of remembered out of uh, Ingram this season is he's so good in the post-game press conferences talking about how great Lamar Jackson is. Yeah, McLovin. He's at 837, so. Okay. They'll, they'll work to get that for him. Yeah, Paul. The 1972 Dolphins, Larry Zonka had 1,017 yards. Murky Morris finished with an even 1,000. Exactly oh, 1,000 yards. Okay. Where was Jim Kick on there? Was he – he chipped in with uh, 500 yards. Okay. And that was the team that just played defense and ran the football. Yeah, McClellan. Yeah, anyway, what was that team, the nickname for the Giants running backs with Ron Dane and Tiki? Were they Thunder and Lightning? Is there any way that crew got to? Wait, it wasn't Ron Dane, was it? Or was it the other guy from uh, Southern Illinois, the big kid? Uh, Brandon, Brandon Jacobs? Brandon. Yeah, Brandon Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, weren't they fire and ice? Oh, I've, I've had a full list, by the way. Yeah, they did. Jacobs. Jacobs and Derek Ward did it in 2008 with the Giants. And they also had Ahmad Bradshaw on that team. Who I thought was the better running back out of all of them. Man. Anything other Biner and Mac did it. Um, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. Uh, Danslow Williams. Yep. Did that with Carolina. Uh Warwick Dunn and Michael Vick. So you could have something similar with the Ravens this year. Uh, Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner. Azonka and Mercury Mars. Yeah. Okay. How did we get on this topic? I don't know. I don't oh, know. Dan Hampton. Oh, sorry, what's his name? This running, crazy running back story. You guys Dave Hampton. About. Yeah, but how did I get to Dave Hampton? Oh, Eli Manning, 116-116. I brought John Cruck, walked out of the first inning of a game after he landed on 300. And then we were talking about trying to end the season on the perfect note. And yeah, screwed it up. John Cruck was 34 years of age. And I think he needed one more hit to bat 300 for his career. And he was facing Scott Erickson. And Cruck got a base hit. And then he, that was it. He was done. He didn't stick around for the game. He No, he left the game. I remember him telling me this. He left the game during the game and went back to West Virginia. He he drove. I think he drove back to West Virginia during the game. But uh, he got the ball from his final hit, 
and he batted 300 for his career. Would you, would you, what would be worse, finishing at, let's say, 299, or you finish with 299 home runs, or 399, or 499 home runs? I'd rather bat 299 and have 500 home runs than I would bat 300 and have 499. Didn't Barry Sanders end up with 99 touchdowns? Oh, no. Yeah, I think so. I had the guys who were just short of 500 home runs. Lou Gehrig, Fred McGriff, Adrian Beltre with 477. Miguel Cabrera's 477. Stan Musial, 475. Willie Stargell, 475. Yeah. Yeah, McClellan. Why didn't Crime Dog come back at 492? He's 500. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. It, at least in that era, he would have been a Hall of Famer if he got to 500 home runs. We've since changed that. Yeah, McClellan. The other thing about it, we don't know the 1,000-yard rushers anymore. I remember when I was a kid, that yeah. was an important benchmark. And I don't even – people don't talk about that at all anymore. Well, we don't value the running back anywhere near what we once did because that was that was the feature. Like, you, you either had a, a good quarterback or you had a really good running back. How many guys have a 1,000? Yeah, McCaffrey has a 1,000 this year. On pace for a 1,000, there's probably 12 guys. Chubb, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs. Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson in Seattle on pace, Lamar Jackson, Marlon Mack, if he gets healthy, Carlos Hyde, Mark Ingram, and then there are a bunch of guys on the cusp. Okay, but, you know, now with 16-game schedule, like, you don't, what do you need? Like 50 yards a game? I think it's 66 yards a game. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's not a, it's not what it once was when it was a 12-game schedule. You know, now that you have 16... What's the most 1,000-yard rushers in a season? Because it seems like we're going to have at least – we might have 15 running backs and a quarterback rush for at least 1,000 yards. By the way, I do have Fritzy's mock headlines since he's not able to deliver them. Would you guys like for me to deliver them in a banged-up Fritzy voice? Will this be good for your brand? Uh, no, because people will think that I came up with these mock headlines. But if I do nail one, then, well, no, there's, that's not possible. So this is Fritzy saying, if the Cowboys lose, these are pre-mock headlines. Garrett gone. Leaf Stadium briskly goes into hibernation. Oh, boy, that's not a good one to start out with. Dax, all folks. Quarterback says goodbye to now exit coach. Fallen star. Bare naked. There will be a nude coach in Big D. Oh, God. These are horrible, Todd. <laughs> I'll leave you with this one. Who shot J.G.? Dallas ends Jason Garrett's tenure. Oh, who shot J.R.? Who shot J.R.? Yeah. Modern reference. Oh, uh, yeah. Once again, it's... Todd in the 70s. Those are bad. Yes, McLovin. Who shot J.R.? That was 1982. Yeah, I know. Well, Todd, every movie reference, every woman is, is out of this, you know, either the 70s or the 80s. You should clarify again that Todd wrote those in case someone gets yes. in their car and thinks that you yeah, were no, doing no, no, no. I think he's just matching his headlines to the last time the Cowboys were good. Ooh. Oh, zing. Wow. Yeah, I said it. You want some ice for that? 1982. Bird? Yeah. Oh, I got it. Man.
Wow. <laughs> you snorted? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We got this email. We got an email from somebody who is a, a frequent contributor to the Howard Stern Show. High Pitch Eric, if you're familiar. Who's High, who's, who's high Pitch? Who's Kelly Clarkson? <laughs> he wants to come on the show and talk sports. Yeah. He emailed the show inbox, and the funny thing was, he when he was referring to himself to explain who he was, he said, I'm High Pitch Eric from the Howard Stern Show. He spelled his own first name, Eric, wrong. It's E-R-I-K in everywhere I've seen it, including on the Howard Stern Show website. And he spelled his own first name, E-R-I-C, when he wrote it to you. Mm, Gives you an idea what type of level we're talking. I don't know if he knows sports. I don't Like, it was so random that he wants to come on. Like, J.D. Harmeyer listens all the time, and he knows sports. Uh, Gary and John have been on, but all of a sudden, Sour Shoes has been on. He calls. Yeah. Steve from Nevada. But I... <laughs> I don't know if Eric E-R-I-K knows sports. Yeah, Paul. I know High Pitch Eric. I seen, I don't know if you were there, but we went to a, a Yankee game once. And High Pitch Eric from the Stern Show was working as like a, a doorman ID checker at this bar connected to Yankee Stadium. And people are just yelling, High Pitch! <laughs> I think he had the job for four days. Who's Kelly Clarkson? Yeah, I, I don't know if, if we... Uh, you know, maybe when we're in New York, because I said I'd have sour shoes on from the Howard Stern show. He's fascinating. Like he's a, he's a really brilliant, talented guy. I don't I don't know if Eric fits in with that. I, I don't know his background other than he's. Uh, they usually weigh him because he weighs around four hundred pounds. That that's his contribution. Is hey, come on in. We're going to weigh you today, or the fact that he got his driver's license. But uh, no, I I don't. I don't know if we have that opportunity, that room for High Pitch Eric to join us. It's not likely. Who's, who's High Pitch? All right, we'll take a break here. we got our play of the day coming up. Chris Berman, top of the hour. Check in on uh, USC's decision to keep Clay Helton and Joe Thomas of the uh, NFL Network. He will be working tonight. We'll talk to him about the importance of this game for Jason Garrett's future. And that uh, all of that coming up here on the Dan Patrick Show. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to 
a tropical paradise. Try them both. Then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Oh, my God. The play of the day. Check this out. Lakers Television Network, little super tramp. It's raining again. Dwight Howard now 7 for 65 from three-point range in over 1,000 games. He finished with seven points, nine rebounds, three blocks, and 19 minutes off the bench. And somewhat of a revival season for him, averaging seven and seven and one and a half blocks. But that's all they need out of him because, you know, people were saying, well, maybe the Lakers aren't that good because their schedule's been soft. Uh, beating Utah the way they did last night, Lakers, Lakers are a great team. Well, the makings of a great team. This is sustainable here, at least you would think. We were just showing LeBron... He's dribbling the ball down the floor, and he all of a sudden picks up the ball and starts walking and then starts dribbling again. Well, the arena goes crazy. They're like, and they don't call traveling on him. <laughs> and LeBron played it off so casually. He's like, yeah, what, what, what's the big deal here? And the ref is staring right at him and doesn't say anything. How do you miss the? You know, remember when Russell... Westbrook did this. Like he took like five or six steps. <laughs> this was uh, this was right out in the open for everybody to see, and they didn't call anything on LeBron James. I was curious about this. Have we had somebody this age lead the league in assists? LeBron's thirty-five, right? I'm trying to think. I don't know how old Steve Nash was. Steve Nash might have been thirty-five or thirty-six. Um, I don't think Isaiah Thomas ever led the league in assists. Jason Kidd would be up there as well. But LeBron might be the oldest guy to lead the league in assists in a season. Yeah, McLovin. I got Stockton at 33. That was his last year. Okay. So he he dipped a little after. He retired early. Wait, Stockton retired at 33? No, 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 no. That was last year he led the league. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Actually, sorry, he played a 40, but his assist dipped significantly after 33. Steve Nash, I'm going to guess, with those Phoenix teams. Yeah, Paul. Chris Paul did it at age 30, but not after that. Check Nash. What about our buddy Mark Jackson? Did he have any late? I'm going to guess it's it's Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, LeBron, I don't Nash, know. Nash, 36. Okay. He, he's the oldest to lead the league in assists at 36? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that's the oldest, but he definitely was 36. You, you were right about that. I, I think he went back to back to back. So 35, 36, 37, or 34, 35, 36, where he led the league in assists, Steve Nash did. Can you check on that, McLovin? Yeah, not quite that. It was I got 36, 35. And then there was a two years where he didn't lead it, and he was 31, 30, 29. Okay. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, but you, like, you're right about Nash, though. Most of his career, most of his great work was 
After age 30, he led the league in assists five times, yeah. never before 30. Right. I just pulled this up here. So Nash was 36 in 2010, and uh, he averaged 11 assists. So, so this is that they didn't necessarily lead the league in assists. These are just the the most assists by somebody that age. I think. Well, I had Nash leading the league at 36, according to Basketball Reference. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did he lead the league in assists in uh, 2011 when he was 37? Yeah. Uh, so he averaged 10 10.7 assists per game that year. I see. I have him as not leading the oh, league. okay. All I'm right. looking at Basketball Reference, and they bold league leaders, and it's not bolded that year. All right. So LeBron right now is third on that list behind two seasons with Steve Nash. And uh, LeBron averaging 10.8 assists. Per game, no other player is averaging double-digit assists this year. With all of this scoring, don't you find that amazing? It, it feels like everybody's ball dominant, so you're not getting as many assists as you once did. Luka Doncic is second at nine point two assists per game. Yeah, Paul. Do you think that is becomes because it's more common just for a guy to have a three and just shake and take a three? First shot of the 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 possession? Well, Harden has the ball more than anybody. He can't assist himself. By the way, the play of the day is uh, brought to you by the great folks at True Car. When you're ready to discover, buy, or sell your next car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Most 1,000-yard rushers in a season. The number is 23, and that's happened twice. 2,000 and then 2,006. Man, there's a lot of guys rushing for uh, 1,000 yards. I'm looking at some of these guys. Chester Taylor rushed for 1,000 yards. Was he with the Redskins? Uh, he was a Mac guy. I think maybe Toledo for Chet Taylor. Was he a Raider, too? Was some he a point? Raider? No, yeah. maybe I'm thinking of uh, who was the famous receiver there. Uh, yeah, uh, he was a president, too, right? Chester Taylor? Chester Taylor. I don't think so. I remember, we have to ask Berman. He'll be all over that. He used to do great nicknames for the Yeah, Paul. Chet Taylor got 1,200 yards for the Vikings in 06. Oh, okay. Liddell Betts. Liddell Betts had 1,000 yards that year. Guess the team for Liddell Betts. Yeah, Paul. Uh, Redskins? I think so. I don't. I don't have the team. Look at, let me see some of these other guys who gained 1,000 yards. Willie Parker. Remember Willie Parker had a couple of really good years with his Steelers? Um, Amon Green. Joseph Adai. Tatum Bell. He gained 1,000 yards in two. I don't, that was that Broncos cut blocking system where everybody was running for 1,000. They got, uh, got our guy Terrell Davis in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I think I'm assuming that's when he got it. Yeah. Right. Remember Atlantis, Gary, Mike Anderson, Tatum Bell, all yeah. those guys. Yeah, that was his system. Like you always talk about a system quarterback, that was his system running back there. Yeah, Paul. Running backs go away so quickly; they just go away, and you don't hear about a retirement. Remember Marion Barber the third with the Cowboys? Yeah. How he used to run. Yeah, love that guy. Wasn't what? he on Minnesota? Yeah. Well, no, I got him. Yeah, University of Minnesota. Yeah, Lawrence Maroney. He was Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, go figure. All right, uh, which poll question are you going to go with, McLovin? Uh, so there's lots of options. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I just got a tweet from Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. 
Can we find out, is, is this somebody messing with Mike Florio's account? That feels pure Florio right there. Okay, Mike Florio, he just tweeted. Now, this is a an opinion, not a report. I have absolutely nothing to base this on whatsoever, but I continue to have a... <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Wait. But I continue to have a weird feeling that blank could be the week one 2020 starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders. Who is Mike Florio referring to? Andrew Luck. Oh, 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 oh don't gamble. Oh, in Sin City. <laughs> Reno seems like a nice place. Biggest little city in the world. So that's Mike Florio. But I look, I, I do respect that he says I have absolutely nothing to base this on. I think more people should do that. <laughs> I have nothing to base this on. This is based off nothing. But I'm curious why you put it out there. Yes, McLovin. It made me think, what the heck is Andrew Luck doing today? Like, why wouldn't he come back? What is he doing for 24 hours a day? If you were that good at football, wouldn't you want to come back? But, but you're going to go back to what led you to the decision to quit football. That's why when people say, oh, Gronk's got to come back. He's young, and then, you know, the Patriots need him. I'm like, why would he come back? to what put him in the position to begin with, where he go, I'm going to give this up. Yeah, Paul. Luck and his wife had their first child uh, a month ago. Oh. Lucy. So he's due to come back any minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let, him, let him get on diaper duty a little while. Once that honeymoon's over, yeah. he's going to be like, what the hell did I do? Colicky baby. <laughs> Honey, I'm so frustrated at home. I'm going to go play for the Raiders. Yeah. What? The Raiders? No, no, no. The Colts job isn't open anymore. But don't the Colts still own his rights? I think they own that into perpetuity. (laughs) Yes. This is another question. It's not exactly a poll question, but the Colts are on this list. Can you tell me where Tom Brady is signing next year? I have I I absolutely have absolutely nothing to base this on whatsoever. But Tom Brady will be with the L.A. Chargers next year. That is juicy. I don't think he's back with the Patriots. I don't know if he's still playing, but I, I don't, I just, I don't think so. I don't think so. That might be one of those mutual partings. Chris Berman coming up. Monday night is podcast night for the Los Angeles Lakers. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsool. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's get it. I think the Lakers will be a top ten defense. Okay, now. you're calling your shot again. A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's, a, it's a very clear message. It's two stars, LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court, I think in this case, this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Oh, <laughs> 
five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.